2.99. Why are you judging my daughter's diving? I wasn't talking about her. I was finalizing this month's special at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. 2.99% interest for 10 years. Wow, 2.99. Yeah? Visit PellaWI.com. The Wisconsin State Fair is here, bringing you the sights and sounds live from the fair. In for Jeff Wagner, here's your host, Ryan Record. And what a day to be at the Wisconsin State Fair. So nice. I like to get here a little bit early, and lucky for me, I was here right when the TV stations were setting up shots to see the Milwaukee Bucks Championship Trophy. So they had it out in the wild, got a picture with it. Posted it up on social media. Then I got a picture with Governor Evers, too, as he was just in the studio not that long ago. What a day to be at the fair. You can find those things online at Ryan Recker on Twitter. Be nice to connect with you there, too. Last night, um, much like you, I'm guessing, your phone started to buzz. Hey, did you see what happened to Donald Trump? Hey, did you see what's going on? And if you were watching the news, this was the primary top story on pretty much every network. And we're going to start the show with Donald Trump and the Mar-a-Lago search. Either Donald Trump is the smoothest criminal in the history of mankind, or he's the luckiest guy in the history of mankind. Because after everything we've seen so far with all of this, sure, I understand he's got a big target because he's got a big mouth. He goes and speaks his mind, and he says a lot of things that are true, and it upsets an awful lot of people. But absolutely, he's got a big mouth. All of those things make him a target for people that don't like him. And it makes me wonder, in what's going on right now, either this is going to be one of the biggest takedowns we've ever seen in the history of the FBI, or this will be one of the biggest abuses we've ever seen in the history of the FBI. CNN last night, and I tried to watch as many different networks as I could, Given that I can only take so much MSNBC at any given time, but I watched CNN, watched a little MSNBC, and I watched Fox News. I will give credit to CNN last night. It seems like all the main hosts are out on vacation. The fill-in for CNN was better than the fill-in on Fox. (laughs) But let me tell you this. CNN tried to play it down the middle, except for the fact that they made sure everyone knew, don't call this a raid. They said the messaging coming out of Donald Trump's office at this point is, you know, akin to propaganda. And because of that, don't call it a raid. It's just a judge-approved search warrant. All of this redefining stuff is, is making me scratch my head. Why in the world do we have to redefine words that people commonly understand? Because if the FBI or a government agency forcibly enters your residence without your permission... Uh, then that, to me, is a raid. (laughs) That's about as simple as it gets, because they're there to try to recover something. This morning, Nancy Pelosi called it a, quote, visit from the FBI. Oh, they were just over for a little bit of tea and crumpets. A lot of the FBI came by. You know, you had a little coffee cake, caught up. Oh, how's your mom doing? Oh, fine, good, everything's great. Yeah, a little visit from the FBI. But credit to Nancy Pelosi, she did point out without hesitation that this is inappropriate. This is not ordinary. In fact, a lot of people that you find question the motives, and a lot of reasonable people are questioning the motives. So at this point, what you're finding is that it's either all or nothing. Either the FBI has credible evidence and they found something of significance, and we have to underline that word, significance, or they found nothing. This was an abuse of power. It was an abuse of force. 
not only would they owe Donald Trump an apology, but on top of that, they need to recognize that their power is going unchecked. And those abuses become problematic. So we have to address the unknowns in a situation like this. I think it's reasonable to look at it and say people are quick to judgment, and people just don't know all the answers right now. But given everything that we know, was it really appropriate or necessary for the FBI to show up in the morning saying we're here for the documents? I don't think it was. I think this was handled in the past very nice. In fact, in the past, the National Archives said, I think we're missing some documents. The documents were voluntarily handed over. No problem whatsoever. Why wasn't it done that way again, is the question. And do we have reason to believe he withheld some of those documents, or there was something nefarious going on? Or is this just an act of force that was unnecessary? And I think it was unnecessary. 855-616-1620 is the number. AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. Broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair, I want to hear from you. I'm Ryan Recker, filling in for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. There's an awful lot of ways to look at this, and I think if you are someone that is cheering the FBI right now, why? I, part of the problem with cheering the FBI, because you don't like the guy. Oh, you hate Donald Trump, so it's a good thing that the FBI is doing this because they're finally getting him. No, I don't think so. I, I think for the most part, you can question their motives, and really, it can get out of control very quickly if the motives are not there, not pure, and in fact, not for the sake of justice. And I think there's other questions now to ask. Who actually approved this? And why did they approve it? And if this comes up empty-handed, are they going to be held accountable for it? 855-616-1620 is the number. AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'd love to hear from you. Let's go to Greg. Welcome to WTMJ. Hi, Ryan. How are you? Good. Well, my first comment is that looking back at history, this is completely absurd and outside the lines of anything that's ethical or legal. The second thing I'm going to comment is that this thing is going to backfire big time on all the Democrats, the Biden administration, and uh, who's going to vote for who, because people, no matter what side you're on, you think about it being your home being raided, Right. And it's like, what? What is this? Is what our government is coming to now? That they're going to go? They're going to raid an ex-president's house? What does that mean for me? Right? So, mm. and then with this bill, where they're going to hire tons of new IRS agents? I mean, what is this all? This is way, way. This is getting way, way beyond even absurdity in terms of freedoms and rights that people have, and to and to raid an ex-president's house. What would all the media networks be saying if this would have been Obama's house? And quite frankly, there's more cause and reason right now to raid Hunter Biden's and Biden's house. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, Greg. Thank you for your call. Yeah, let's point out, too, um, and this is what you were quick to see on Fox News last night, is naming some of the different abuses of classified information, perhaps on the Hillary Clinton server, which she destroyed, there was no FBI raid on something like that. Or even if you talk about Jeffrey Epstein, there's been no arrests. Isn't that strange? So they're quick to point that out, and I do agree. Because if you're going to try to figure out how the FBI is being used, you would question the motives here. Why weren't, it, uh, why weren't they used in these situations? Alan Dershowitz last night made a really interesting point. He said that they opened up one of President Trump's safes, which requires a different type of warrant. So if they didn't have the warrant to open the safe, 
then there could have been an abuse, at least from that standpoint. If they did have it, then my conclusion is someone would have had to have told them what was inside and who is that person that may have went to the FBI to say they have information of what's inside there. I think some of the text messages coming in, same judge that signed the search warrant represented Epstein. There is a connection there that's being reported online. I can't say I've confirmed that connection, but it's been made on social media, so I don't want to necessarily roll with it just yet. Uh, Here's another text message. Ryan, you say people shouldn't jump to conclusions, yet you say the judge authorized search warrant was not justified. No, I'm saying that the reasonable approach that most people, like politicians, I think Andrew Cuomo even, not Andrew Cuomo, um, the governor, uh, the, not the governor of New York. I'm sorry, I'm getting them mixed up. Was it De Blasio? One of the, uh, I think he came out and one of them mentioned that yes, this is jumping to conclusions. You shouldn't have gone in, right? There's not enough known on something like this. Nancy Pelosi, when asked this morning on the Today Show, what are your thoughts on it? She said, I don't have enough information to comment on it. I think Chuck Schumer said the same thing. That's a reasonable way to say it, as opposed to them jumping on it because we know their history with Donald Trump. That's just the point I was trying to make there. What I'm saying is we can talk about it as a news event, and if it was right or wrong, I think time could tell if that's true or not. Let's go to Sam, who's calling in. Welcome to WTMJ. Good afternoon, Ryan. Mm -hmm. I have said from the very beginning that this January 6th committee, it's not about Donald Trump. It's about the America First agenda. I've been sitting back and waiting for Lynn Cheney to say the wrong thing, and she finally said it the other day. She came out and she went on the attack against Ron DeSantis, because Ron DeSantis thinks like Donald Trump. See, that's what this is all about. They have to keep this cloud of suspicion over Trump, waiting to see if he's going to go for it or not. If he doesn't, DeSantis will be the next target. Ted Cruz will follow if he throws his hat into the ring. Mark my words. That's what this is all about. Okay, thank you, Sam. Eight five five six one six one six twenty in the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Another text message came in from Brian in Waukesha County. Because they have asked for documents from him in the past, if there are additional docs he didn't hand over, then his history of partial cooperation is reason to execute the approved warrant. No indications of forced entry since the Secret Service had said they enabled access. Well, forced entry, no, they're not throwing a flashbang in and plus He wasn't at the residence at the time, so he wasn't actually there. But when they say that they have the ability to go in without your permission, and they go in without your permission, and they look and take things without your permission, that's a whole different level. That's just not them welcoming to do a little looky-loo. And, oh, if you see something, go ahead. uh, Go ahead. Why don't you just borrow that for a It's not like your neighbor with the tools in your garage here that just they use and temporarily bring it back. I think also part of this is that, if a judge signs off on this, they have to have a very limited scope of what they're looking for, and specifically what they're looking for. We'll eventually get an idea of what that is. So we'll get to know if they thought the items they were looking for were severe enough to warrant the FBI coming in at early morning, or maybe we'll be able to look at those things and say, now wait a minute, you're telling me you couldn't just have issued a subpoena and just showed up in asking for these specific items if you knew they were there? Was it really necessary to bust in with 30 people? Maybe. No, not really. So, I again, when we learn more information about this, we'll find out. But let's just look at the track record of the past.
past with Donald Trump. How many different times have we seen this sort of deal where what we're going to do is come in and look for things and this is going to be the thing that'll take them down and they're going to be in handcuffs and blah, blah, blah. You know, five, six years later, every time someone's predicted those things, it's never come true. So you have also have a track record of what looks like abuses. And we do know that government in the past have been abused. And I think a lot of people, at least generally speaking, have watched these things happen, not just to this one man, but in general, and say, we don't really trust them right now. So knowing what was at stake if they continue to act this way and nothing comes from this, how in the world could you ever trust them again, let alone if you even still trusted them? So we'll take some more of your calls after the break at 855-616-1620 on the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm Ryan Recker, filling in for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Getting a lot of text messages in on this topic, so thank you for that. One person mentioned the Epstein connection wasn't just social media. There was articles in the Daily Mail and New York Post, okay? There was another interesting article that was pointed out that... Does this mean, let's say, there is some sort of punishment that comes from this raid, meaning that they find something that should have been turned over that wasn't, and because of it, there's some punishment to a former president that may run again for president of the United States? Would it disqualify him from holding a federal office? The question was brought up. Mark Elias, I think, brought it up last night on Twitter. And a lot of people did question it. They said, okay, uh, is this even a possibility? And the answer is probably not. It would be very difficult to disqualify someone running for president because of something like this, meaning that it would seem unconstitutional to put this sort of restriction for running to that higher office. So probably not, but possibly. I guess they can use that as some sort of argument that probably would go nowhere. A couple of text messages. I want to read more of these. If you want to call the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620, maybe you had a different reaction than I did. Maybe you thought, this will finally be the time, but I really don't know how that could be true. How many times do you have to finally believe this will be the one time things work out for you if you don't like the guy? And does this just really enable him to come out of this stronger and say, see, I'm really going to fight this? Can I, let me tell you what I would really like of all of this. This is what I would love. I've mentioned here on the show before, I hope he does not run for re-election. I don't think it would be great. I think there are candidates like Ron DeSantis that would do a fantastic job in office. Given the opportunity, I'd like to see him run. I just don't know if all the drama would be necessary with the Donald Trump running again. But let me tell you this. I would love it if, and this would be the dream scenario for me, Ron DeSantis runs and wins in 2024. Donald Trump sues... (laughs) And uses the legal avenue of lawsuit, because he, that's an avenue he's familiar with, but sues the FBI and any other agency that have been harassing him over the last couple of years to say that his civil rights have been violated based on this. Considering the selective way that they've used their power, I would say that would make such a great lawsuit, and I would love to see that. Now, if that was the case, okay, fine. I don't think a lot of people see it that way, though. I think a lot of people want to see him run again in 2024. I just don't. Here's another text message. Uh, So when is the FBI going to raid Obama's house? See, I don't think there's any accusations for President Obama to look at him criminally speaking. I think there's a lot stronger accusations for a former President Clinton 
Because, well, with the whole Epstein thing, that's very questionable. Or even the Hillary Clinton thing, holding the private information. I think you're more likely to see an investigation into current President Joe Biden. With the Hunter Biden stuff that's coming out, I think it makes it very clear. You start meeting with all these different national officials. You have your connections to China, mentions to them a dozen times, and you're the big guy that could be established. That is scary. I think a lot of people wonder about those things. So... I think those are the next big things that people are really going to worry about. And those are what most people are now using as defense. All things considered, it would be smart for the FBI or any of these different agencies to actually put the information out. Here's what we were looking at for the warrant. And I don't care if you do it on your own. Maybe you just say a news agency requested it, so we released it. Let them be the ones to bring it forward if you're really concerned with it. So you know what the scope was and the severity of what documents you're looking for. And I think that will ease a lot of different people. And it will be better to get that out there just for the sake of transparency to know what we're dealing with here. So we're going to take a break. We're going to take a look at the news here in a moment. And i got to point out that I think this is one of those topics that will be around for a little while and it might fizzle out in a month. Because I think so many different people are going to realize that one of these things that are going to be the greatest, biggest scandal in the history of politics Uh, eventually don't turn out that way, and it it seems like it's always that way with Donald Trump. One person texted in, so you're a big supporter of Ron DeSantis? No, I'm not a huge supporter. It's not like I'm wearing a button for him right now. Uh, Mostly because I look at him and say, wow, uh, this guy kind of has that sort of spirit that he's going to fight for that, whatever it is. And I like that, and I think that's what you need in order to win. So I see him being one of those guys. Ultimately speaking, the politician I'm most associated with is Rand Paul. I love me some Rand Paul. That's the type of guy I would like to see in office. Is it likely he'll ever become president? No, not at all. But that's the type of politician I like. In case you're wondering, uh, Jeff was texting in there. Here's a couple of text messages coming in. And I'm Ryan Recker filling in for Jeff Wagner. At the fair today, the Wisconsin State Fair, what a beautiful day. The sky is blue barely see a cloud if you do it's just a little smidge of cloud but the temperature's nice not too humid and wtmj broadcasting live from the wisconsin state fair thanks to the coakley brothers and brothers interiors the state fair studio brand new look to it you can actually look through the window and see us there if you'd like to and i posted a photo earlier or at least a little video it was cool seeing my name on the marquee out front so big thanks to the coakley brothers and brothers interiors one person texted in I even wonder if this raid was specifically timed the day before elections to try to leave a black mark on Trump-supported candidates. Jeff in Germantown texted that in. I don't know if it was coordinated in that sense, but it was it Lindsey Graham or someone else, I, I can't remember exactly who the official was, mentioned that doing this before the midterm elections, um, not a good idea, considering that we're getting even closer to that in November. Normally you try to wait until after election cycles to do something like this. One person texted in, Trump is in possession of the warrant and an inventory of what was taken. Nothing stopping him from releasing the info. Hmm. I guess that's true. Uh, Traditionally speaking, I think the warrant would offer that, and maybe it's in possession of his lawyer, and who's to say they don't release that? But that's an interesting point. But then the person continued texting. Then he would have to admit he had documents he wasn't supposed to have. Can I point this out? Yesterday I was also watching some of the interviews and I was looking at some of the things said online. Eric Trump, uh, his son, was discussing the raid and he mentioned that they voluntarily gave up a lot of this 
documents that were requested from the National Archives already. And why not do that again? That fashion, I guess, true, you could have handled yourself in that way. But let's look at it this way, too. Let's say, hypothetically, you are Donald Trump. Are you the one packing all of the documents as you leave the White House? Are you the one, or do you have hired help? Like, you have people that move things for you. What are the odds, okay, again, this was just brought up hypothetically, what are the odds that even if he was in possession of something, that he would have no idea he was in possession of it? But then I guess you can say that he would have had an opportunity to turn it over already, because that's when you would have done it. I guess there's a chance of that. I, I almost feel like there's other ways you can defend it if you had to. I think, if anything, if he actually had this and had a chance to turn it over and didn't, then, of course, it's going to look awfully terrible for him. Let me point out something else. As I was watching the news last night, there was an organization that has been studying cable news networks. And do you want to guess to the conclusion that they've had? The conclusion is cable news networks have grown more polarized. Well, no kidding. They looked at 10 years of cable news and revealed that there is a partisan gap between Fox and MSNBC and CNN, they do normally lean left or right. So an organization like CNN, for example, that says they're nonpartisan, can be debunked. And this is how they did it. If you were trying to actually prove it in a nonpartisan way and you wanted to use a scientific way of doing it, when you actually set up a study, you have to figure out, okay, what's the control... How can we look at this in a way where we're not using our own biases, so we're not, there's no judgment calls. It could just be concrete, black or white, and this is what they decided to do. They decided to analyze every guest that came on a network, and what is their political affiliation. So, how do they tell their political affiliation? So, they analyzed every guest that came on a network in the past 10 years, and they looked at who that guest donated money to. So if they donated to a campaign or a party or a pact that's affiliated with a side, then they know that person is affiliated at least with that side, Republican, Democrat, whatever it is. That's how they determine if the networks are growing more partisan. Are you bringing on people that donate lots of money to one side or the other and ignores the other side? And if it's the type of guest you bring on, is it only one-sided, or are you bringing in multiple sides? Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences uh, surveyed the last decade and really particularly focused heavily on the 2016 election. And what they found was, starting from 10 years ago up till about five years ago with that election, that Fox moved further right, MSNBC and CNN moved further left, Keep this important detail in there, because even though they already had a certain leaning, they realized that these cable networks pushed even further out. When you hop on a network and you find people defending a network, what you'll normally find is they'll say, no, 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 we're not biased, we're news anchors. We don't find ourselves prey to this. We're not in that same circle. We're not in that same directive. That's not us, man. Those are the other guys. Those are the other guys. It's not the other guys. It's all of them. It's it's studied and it's found. It's all of them that are doing it. And guests were assigned a media bias score, and they found, based on those financial contributions, that each network were bringing on people that further divided them and pushed them further down the spectrum. 
I think that's important to point out because today, this is what you'll see in a lot of different stories. It's not about our hatred for this guy. It's not about our defense of this guy. We're doing this as unbiased as possible. No, you're not. You're biased. Admit it. I think, if anything, people are smart and they realize that they may gravitate towards a certain news source. They may dip their toe and read and consume other news sources, but ultimately what they're going to do is find themselves more comfortable with someone that is at least siding with the way that they think in the world view. And I think these news networks understand it. Don't let them fool you to say that they're above it all, because they're not. None of them are above it all. Just point that out real quick. When we come back, um, I saw something else trending on Twitter that I thought was interesting. Rainwater is too contaminated to drink. Immediately I thought, okay, I'm going to call this out. I'm going to read the study because i got nothing better to do. And then I'll give you the results, and I'll tell you if that's true or not because you're going to see that cycling a lot. And with the NFL and Aaron Rodgers, apparently the NFL says he didn't break any rules. Way to go, Aaron Rodgers. We're going to discuss that, too, coming up after the break on WTMJ. No rain here. Don't even try to give the impression with CCR as bumper music. It is beautiful at the Wisconsin State Fair. Just looking around, you look up and all you see is blue, and it's not too humid. Very nice day. Been lucky. I mean, this weekend was hot, 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 and now it started to cool down. This is beautiful. Too bad it wasn't like this through the whole thing, but seems like everyone's been lucky so far with the weather. A lot of it holding off. Here's uh, what you can do. You can find me online at Ryan Recker. I see so many different people texting in right now that definitely are they are not fans of Donald Trump, and that's to say it lightly. I wish you would have called in. I would have loved to have heard your thoughts on this. You would have been more than welcome on this radio show. We could have discussed these things to get these different points of views out there. And, uh, again, a lot of people don't like him. I can tell that in the text messages. A lot of people do like him. Very polarizing in that sense. Let me just point this out about Aaron Rodgers. Um, I don't have to be a type of person that endorses drinking or drugs or whatever it is. He takes those psychedelics. He was open about it. But maybe it's better that the NFL just doesn't care. Maybe it's better that the NFL stays out of it for once. I think one of the problems the NFL ran into is that they took on social issues. They took on all kinds of moral issues, and people got fed up by it. They said, no, this is not what I'm watching football for. Maybe they just get out of the game of trying to dictate these moral issues of psychedelics and just say, no, we're, uh, you know what, if you're in the offseason, if you want to go into the woods and you and your buddies light a fire and the shaman goes out there and says some few words and you take these drugs, it's not going to show up in a test and it's not something we regulate. So, you know what, more power to you. They don't have to endorse it. They don't have to say a word about it. Isn't it better that the NFL stays out of moral issues? Because a lot of times, drug use seems like a moral issue in some ways. Not to say that some of these hard drugs that, you know, you find yourself intoxicated on them driving a car and you hurt another human being, that's bad news. Or you become reliant and addicted to a lot of these different things. I guess that's a whole different deal. You're dealing them. Uh, Money could definitely change you in a lot of different ways. And the ability of these substances and people looking the other way definitely change you in a different way. But it sounds like this drink or whatever that they take out in who knows where seems safe enough. And he's doing it on his own will, and what, you do it once and you're done? So maybe it's better that the NFL finally understands that, hey, uh, what you do in the woods in the offseason, not the worst thing ever. 
And how about you take that same attitude for some of these other social issues as opposed to jumping on top of everything all of a sudden saying that we're going to have to get in line with this and if you don't like us, stop watching us. Because better yet, you've made football something that uh, people love and enjoy. You've made it miserable for some people because they look at it as a political issue. Just, it'd be better for you to stay out of it on this one, please. And I think that uh, maybe the Aaron Rodgers thing will be the step in the right direction for a lot of people. Just let him play. You know, he's, he's done really well for himself the last couple of years, and rightfully so. And I think a lot of people recognize it for that. Here's the number, 855-616-1620 is the number on the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Wow, at the Wisconsin State Fair, working hard from our mobile studio that's not so mobile. If you're here, grab a bite. Major Goldsby's Heartland, located right next to the Cream Puff Pavilion, or Major Goldsby's downtown. I saw it yesterday as I was driving downtown, dangerously close to the Deer District. Man, I had a chicken sandwich yesterday. That was fantastic. So good. Uh, Real quick, let's go to Mike, who's calling in. Welcome to WTMJ. Good afternoon, Ryan. How are you? Good. Yes, I, I agree with what you said. Uh, specifically, the NFL should stay out of uh, social issues. But, you know, as far as guys, you know, doing something, as long as it's, it's not against their policy, um, not against the rules, and it's not during the season, I don't see any problem with it. In a lot of ways, uh, people say this stuff's pretty harmless. I don't know anything about it, honestly, because I'll never take it. I don't ever endorse drugs, smoking, drinking, all that stuff. It's not part of my lifestyle. And I look at it and say, I wouldn't expect a lot of these different organizations to look the same way I do. It's so much better to just stay out of it altogether because it's ruined when it looks like you're endorsing this sort of thing. Maybe the NFL could learn this. You know, just stay out of it here. Let the guy play, and I think it'll be more enjoyable. Yes, and, you know, they certainly lost me when they embraced things like BLM and other things. Uh, but, you know, I love football. And, you know, truth be told, I'm a huge Aaron Rodgers fan. Um, you know, he continues to perform, and he doesn't, you know, try to pretend he's something he's not. Um, so, you know, quite frankly, I don't have a problem with it. Okay. Thanks, Mike. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. Eight five five six one six one six twenty on the Accudent Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm Ryan Recker filling in for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Welcome back. Okay, here's some of the text messages that are out there. Aaron Rodgers could rob a bank and get away with it. (laughs) I don't know about that. Could he? Well, it depends. Is it here in the United States or is it in another country? If it was here in the United States, probably not. (laughs) If it was in another country, as long as it's not in Russia. Uh, text message, I'm done with the NFL and have been for a while. They don't know what a catch is. Replay is inconsistent at best. All the moral stuff is just gag me with a spoon. Great. I thought I was the only one still using that phrase from the 80s. The valley girl gag me with a spoon line. Now I can't use it anymore. Or maybe you picked it up for me and maybe I'm bringing it back. Yeah, that could be my catchphrase. Ooh, gag me with a spoon. Nah, I don't think it'll catch on. Text message also, so the NFL should stay away from all causes like breast cancer awareness and battered wives. So is that a question? Uh, So you're trying to poke a hole in my theory and something like that. I, You know, I don't know. I can't say definitively yes or no. Keep in mind, there are controversies with organizations like the Pink Ribbon that a lot of people support because the organization itself had 
questionable ways that they spend their money. Is it really going towards the charity? And you can go to Charity Navigator and look up any charity. I would encourage you to do that. And it tells you how much money you donate actually goes towards the cause. And some of these organizations notoriously do not actually give money back into the cause. It's mostly about awareness of their own organization. Because you think you're helping a certain cause. Eh. So, I don't know. I mean, that, that, that's questionable. I get it. Steve, welcome to WTMJ. Hello, go ahead. Hey, Brian. Yeah, um, I don't know if you or your listeners are like me, but I am just so fed up with uh, with him. I mean, it... it, it this is Aaron Rodgers you're talking about? Even, yeah, yeah. I mean, why does he even mention this? I mean, it's one thing after another, him sitting out of camp. He's like a spoiled little child. He's very in your face about many issues. His receivers, this, that, the other thing, how much people get paid. But then yet he thumbs his nose at basically anybody and everybody. You know, why does he even bring this up? Does he realize that kids listen, kids watch? Maybe he doesn't care. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I can't stomach the guy no more. I'm a Packer fan. I love the Packers. I just cannot stomach the guy. It, okay, so I, I, let me just I, ask I this, because it, with all of the different things about him off the field, him saying, oh, I just want to leave, I want to leave, you know, and that definitely causes a rift with fans. But, you know, ultimately, he's an MVP caliber quarterback. Isn't that enough for you right now? The guy gets out there and wins? No. Uh-uh. Nope. That shouldn't be, no, what are we, so I mean, really, so you you sign any, I mean, so when if, if we go with that attitude, we sign anybody we want because we've got to win, baby, win, that's not what the Packers have been about, but maybe we are now, maybe we are, maybe we don't care. When he came out and said he did that, mm-hmm. I mean, people are going to think I'm crazy, but I just said goodbye. I who right away. Wow. Do you think he's bigger than the Packers and bigger than the NFL? Do you do you, you think so? Do you agree with me? Does he think he's bigger than the Packers? Mm, I don't know. I can't say yes or no to that, but I lean towards no. I mean, what I makes what you think Adam he's bigger than the Packers? Rogers. Well, I mean, you know, he thinks he's a Tom Brady because he went to one Super Bowl. He wants to sit in with negotiations and, and drafting the that. Okay, but he's mm. not a Tom Brady. Win seven Super Bowls will be, but then maybe sit at the table. Okay? You know, did he cut his salary to bring on new players? I wonder what um, Adams thinks of him. Probably not. I see. Are you a longtime fan? I mean, have you watched the Packers your entire life? Are you kidding me? I'm 61 years old, yeah. So yeah. for you, you have all these different memories, and the game used to be different. It wasn't so centered. Um, and, you know, and, and for a while there, it was, you know, we got to do this for the sake of the team. we got to do this for the good of the team. And thank you very much, Steve, for the call. Yeah, things uh, a lot of ways when you talk about the modern NFL stars, any sports player stars, it's a lot about me, 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 right? I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is a me, me, me guy per se, but, man, you got to be happy with the way he played the last couple of years. At least you got that. But now you're telling him, get a haircut, dude. Get off of the wacky juice. Get back onto the field. Let's see what you got. I get it. I'm Ryan Recker filling in for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The Wisconsin State Fair is here, bringing you the sights and sounds live from the fair. In for Jeff Wagner, here's your host, Ryan Recker.
Uh, all these great text messages about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, some agree with the last caller, some don't. That's great. That's what I enjoy. Different points of view on the same topic. And we got a lot to get to. In fact, there may be a video you've seen circulating on social media. And if you haven't seen this yet, I would encourage you to go look it up. They've been doing different testing, roadway real testing of self-driving vehicles. And there's about three major companies that create the software for it. And the three companies were head-to-head. Let's see what happens when we put a mannequin child in the road. And one company, eh, car stops. Second company, eh, car stops. The self-driving Tesla nails this mannequin kid. And there's a billionaire out of California by the name of Dan O'Dodd. He's actually running for Senate in California. But as a tech dude, he says that there's a lot of lies coming out of the electric vehicles and self-driving, false promises. And he wanted to uh, discuss that with me today. We're going to join him in about 25 minutes from now. I'm really looking forward to that conversation. There was a story this morning about the RNC coming to Milwaukee, and that normally is a good deal. When there's a large convention that comes into town, one of the first things they talk about is the economic income that could come to the city of Milwaukee for something like that. And in the case of the RNC making its way here, you find out very quickly that the city of Milwaukee could benefit from the influx of about $200 million. And there's a lot you can do with about that much money. The story from CBS 58, the headline, Not Welcome Here, Protest Already Planned as Community Groups Rally in Opposition of the RNC. And it makes me wonder, too, the ones that are going to be hitting the street and protesting, do you even care about the well-being of the city of Milwaukee? Does that mean nothing to you that they chose this destination, knowing they could have gone to all these other places that wanted them there, Nashville excluded, but considering that they want to spend the money here and all the different attention and the opportunities for you to finish projects to make the city look nice, to have this viewpoint for a week where everyone's watching politics, to see a beautiful city as the backdrop, the welcoming nature of the city of Milwaukee, don't you want that to be here? Ultimately, if you want to deny that because you look at the politics of a person or the people inside of that building and say, I just can't stand them. Oh, they're so terrible. Oh, I I fear for my life because Republicans are here. You are doing the city a disservice because you would turn down all the good things that come with it because you politically disagree with the person. And also, I wanted to point out last Friday when the announcement was made in Chicago that the RNC would be coming here, you better believe that the mayor of Milwaukee, a Democrat by the name of Cavalier Johnson that you know, was there as part of the announcement. And he said, we welcome the RNC to our city. And in the back of his mind, I understand what was going on. The back of his mind was, bring your checkbooks and make sure you spend that money here. And that's ultimately, if you're here to try to make the case for your city and you want to see your city succeed, that's the attitude that you should have. You're welcome here. Just like many of these other major conventions. Please come to Milwaukee. That should be the message. We're open for business. That's what we want. The critics, though, have already started to say that they're going to be out there protesting. Uh, Nick, uh, no, Kyle Johnson is his name. He's with an organization called Black Leaders Organizing for Community, said of the RNC, frankly, a lot of people feel threatened. They'll feel unsafe with Republican politicians in town. And also points out 
at a news conference. Omar Flores, a spokesperson for the Coalition of March on the RNC 2024. Well, they came up with that pretty quick. Uh, We're looking to unite all progressive forces in Milwaukee to fight against the Republicans being here. I'm here to tell you real quick, Republicans, politicians, whatever it is, they're not here to cause you trouble. In fact, them meeting in specific places, locations, gathering together to bring their nominees to the table and their ideas and their policies that they think would be good for America are not the enemies of what's going on here. I would argue that the people that outside that may be causing trouble and perhaps with the intention of violence justified by their feelings that it's it's uh, violence is necessary to stop this are the true enemies in a situation like this they got to look at themselves in the mirror and really realize who are they who are they actually hurting here are they hurting the people on the inside or they're hurting the people on the outside 855-616-1620 is the acunet mortgage talk and text line i feel like in for the most part people understand this they get this there's going to be people with different points of view that don't look at the same thing the same way and they could live with those people in harmony with no problems and then there's some that say no we can't live in harmony we're going to create problems and those are the things and people that you have to flush out because those are the ones that are bad for a community 855-616-1620 is the number. I'm Ryan Recker filling in for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So these text messages are great, but we're getting some phone calls, too, which we're going to take your call on the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. Text messages, I would like to place a bet that most of these protesters will be from out of town. That That's a common way to say that the people that live here don't cause problems, but that's not always going to be the case, because people that do live here will cause problems. That's just how it goes. You can't always say it's out-of-town aggravators. I guess that's an easy scapegoat, but it's not always like that. Um, here's another text message. Milwaukee is already an unsafe town with Democrats running the show. How could bad could it be with Republicans? <laughs> I think you say that tongue-in-cheek. I do understand what you're saying. Let's take some calls. Will, welcome to WTMJ. Hello, go ahead. Hey, it sounds like you forget that, uh, you know, uh, Trump called his bad boys and all his other troops out to the Capitol on January 6th uh, because they didn't get their way. And uh, they basically had, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, fighting with police officers, putting their crap all over uh, the Capitol building. What if there's a contested uh, convention here in Milwaukee and Trump doesn't get his way? Is he going to call all of his uh, bad boys or whoever the hell they're called uh, to come to Milwaukee and uh, uh, put uh, crap all over the first first star building? Uh, so, yeah, uh, there is some concern about people feeling safe in Milwaukee uh, with Trump and his uh, uh, crazy uh, uh, Supporters, the crazy supporters that did what they did in our our, our our country's capital. Okay, thanks for your call, Will. With that, let's point out to um, the January 6th Commission is looking into that right now. And what you find, legally speaking, is that there is no crime committed. Isn't that strange? I mean, embarrassing, sure. It, does it look bad for him? Absolutely, it looks terrible for him. But you notice that the crime thing's... Yearly absent. So let me point out all the things that you brought up about him from January 6th really is a matter of your view on it, but not reality per se. Let's also point out, too, that 
if the RNC convention was here, and let's say Donald Trump was a part of the RNC convention, either as a former president or the nominee in 2024 for the Republicans, I would say that it would probably take attention away from the city, which would be a bad thing, because ultimately what you want is everything was great, no controversy, look at Milwaukee, everything's wonderful. I think this opens up the door to take the spotlight off of a beautiful city, which could be difficult, because you want to maximize this opportunity on the national stage. So I think I brought this point up last week. I really think that is one of those angles that aren't being talked about that should be. Let's go to Peter. Welcome to WTMJ. Hello. Hello. I think Will kind of stole my thunder a little bit in mentioning the contested convention as being more of a problem than the, uh, you know, the Democrat protesters outside. But your point is very valid, too, is because if it does get to become a problem, they're not going to think of Milwaukee as the great city. They're going to think of Milwaukee as, you know, like Chicago in 1968. Hmm. Wow. That's an interesting point, too. When you think about the national news coverage, normally it's the bad things that get remembered, unfortunately. So you have to go out of your way for the good things to be remembered. I think there's a huge opportunity for it, but ultimately take the money, man. $200 million influxed into the community is a good thing by any means. What you want to do is try to minimize the bad counterweights to that, and it seems like the groups that are popping up now and talking to the media, albeit fringe or small or whatever it is, have that opportunity to be that counterweight you don't want um, for progress in that sense. Also, the protesters, they need to eat. So that'll be an influx of money from them as well, be it good (laughs) or bad. Well, as long as the protesters are spending money, by all means, come to Milwaukee during the RNC. That's hilarious. Thank you very much, Pete. Uh, Peter. Excuse me. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> the protesters spend money on food too. Let's hope so. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Wow, I'm going to guess Peter's a businessman because that it takes a business mind to spin that in that direction. We'll take some more of your calls coming up after the break. I'm Ryan Recker filling in on WTMJ. Wow, these text messages are great. Um, said, who is that? Did the looting and rioting in Kenosha and other locations across the country? It was not Republican politicians. One person said, Will needs to switch to decaf. (laughs) Maybe. He was pretty pumped up. I will point out, even if it was Donald Trump that comes to Milwaukee in 2024, do you really think that he's going to call for riots? Like, I I don't get that. Because that's not what he called for even on January 6th, and that's what he's being looked at for. Uh, That's what the commission supposedly is looking for. So let's take some more of your calls. Robert, welcome to WTMJ. Hello. Go ahead. Hey, thanks for taking my call there, Ryan. This is so good for the city, and let's just take politics out of it for a second. I want all these people coming to Milwaukee. I want a lot of people that have come to our city for business, and especially in the summertime, and they are blown away. There's this misconception. It maybe goes back to the days of Laverne and Shirley of, of Milwaukee, and when they get here, they're like, wow, this is so much more than I expected. So I'm grateful that all these 
folks are going to come to to Milwaukee, and a lot of them are going to come back. And those that are protesting are selfish, and they really just need to get a life. How? This is a really good. This is a really good thing. Good. Thank you, Robert. It is a good thing. And when the opposition group, in this case the Democrats, lead the city and the mayor is there at the announcement saying this is a good thing, take notice of that because that's how you do it. That's how you show cooperation, friendliness, politeness to the other opposition party. And though I wasn't actually here inside of Milwaukee at the time when the announcement that the Democratic DNC was going to be here, unfortunately, was canceled. I don't remember a lot of Republicans saying we need to get out there and riot for the DNC in town. I don't remember seeing that story. Maybe I missed it. James, welcome to WTMJ. Hello. How you doing? Well, I think I think you I think you're going to have these people coming, but uh, like you just said, like you have said on these other calls, uh, they're not going to they're not going to come uh, full full bore. You see what happened when we had the Bucks playoff there on that Friday, the police police were downtown there and they couldn't even control that, and uh, you know, in the way the crime is in the city of Milwaukee and everything else, you're talking two hundred million dollars, probably maybe you may, might shrink down to a hundred million or fifty million dollars because. Uh, the amount of, uh, how do you say the word, uh, people don't want to come here. To, I mean, they want to come here, but they want to be safe. They don't want to be, uh, how do you say the word, heckled or shot or whatever mm-hmm. it is, because all the darker all, all the darker stuff that you got, the garbage that's in the city of Milwaukee, is, uh, you know, putting it on them and saying, hey, look at us, we we control the city, the Kia boys, and everybody else controls the city. The, 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 the mayor and the rest I, I... of these people don't control. Yeah, it makes me want, okay, so you could, uh, I see what you're saying, James, thank you for the call, but the outside factor, if I'm understanding, is the participation level, so what if people don't feel safe participating, or they don't want to come down because they feel unwelcomed with protests and things like that, would that take a hit to the economic factor to it? Yeah, sure, I get it. Maybe they got to spend more money on uh, security, or maybe they don't welcome the public to a lot of the different events because they're afraid that they can't keep it secure or what aggravators may show up inside. That very well could be true. Chris, welcome to WTMJ. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Hi, go ahead. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think regardless of beliefs, this is uh, good for our city, right? Like uh, money coming into our city is a good thing. Correct. And, uh, yeah, and on top of that, think of all the different completed projects. You know, there's pressure to finish. It'll look nicer too. Right. I I totally agree. I just did, like I'm a Democrat, and I think it would be stupid because we'd be leaving money on the table. But in that same in that same idea, it it pains me that Republicans are so against legalizing marijuana, where we're in this island and just leaving money on the table. It's the exact same scenario. Regardless of your belief, we should want what is going to be best for the state of Wisconsin. Chicago uh, made $560 million. $560 million. Yeah, okay. Marijuana that Let me ask you this real quick. Are going to buy. 
Yeah, let me ask you this. So when you look at marijuana and you look at alcohol, whatever it is, normally they say it's a sin tax. You know, you'll make a lot of money off of it. Just tax it to until it's, you know, up the ear, and then the people that want it will still pay for it. So do you look at politics as like a sin tax in the same way? Is that what you're comparing it to? Well, I'm comparing it to uh, this is what people believe in, right? If you believe that it's not good, like if you believe that marijuana is not good, that's your belief. But one thing that is completely true is that it would bring money into our state. If you are against the Republicans because you're like, I am against what they're saying, then, and you don't want them to come, it's because you're against them, that's your belief, but you're leaving money on the table because if they come here, they're going to spend money. So in both instances, it's just leaving money on the table based on your beliefs, right? Okay, that's an interesting argument. I got to say, Chris, I, I wouldn't have compared the two, and I don't think I do compare the two, but I, it's an interesting argument. But it is your belief, though. I mean, if you believe that Re- Republicans are crazy and or Democrats are crazy, that's your belief. But the, the bottom line is this convention will bring money to the state. If you believe yeah, no, I mean, it's horrible or it's not or it is, it will bring money to the state. Right, but again, I don't see like politics in. I don't see them as like the vices. Like we're not we're not looking at them in the same dangerous vices as anything else. Like, I, and and just being able to gather as a group of people is different. No, I don't. I see. I see them as two different things. No, I don't see it as hypocritical. I just see them as two different things. It's hypocritical. No, I I don't agree. But thank you, Chris. Okay, you can look at it that way, but I don't. Thank you for the call, but. I, when you look at alcohol, marijuana, all of these different things, things that are controlled substances in a lot of different ways, um, versus a convention that is going to be inside of the city, you know, major convention, no, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but no, they're not the same. But thanks for the call. Let's look at a huge video that's going viral online right now. It's a video about electric vehicles, and they're testing out the self-driving mechanisms in these vehicles. A big failing grade goes to Tesla, as it's shown nailing these mannequin children. And it shows that the self-driving, was not, they just would not stop until they hit something. It was actually very sensational. I saw an ad this morning while watching the morning news from an organization uh, led by Dan O'Dodd, and he's going to join us in the next break to discuss self-driving vehicles. Are they really where they need to be? Is the software in these Tesla vehicles actually dangerous? So he's going to join us right after the break. There was an ad I saw on television this morning. You may have saw it, too. I was watching TMJ4, and all of a sudden... This organization comes on that I've never seen before. And the organization was talking about Tesla's self-driving software and how it fails in these road tests. So I went to the Dawn Project website. I looked it up a little bit more. And it's gone viral. A lot of people are talking about it right now. And I'm always interested in technology, self-driving technology. 
Tesla in general is always a popular topic. Joining us now to discuss a little bit about this and why they're putting out this ad, it seems interesting. They're spending a lot of money to bring awareness to this. He is a software millionaire, billionaire out of California. He's also running for Senate in part of the Don Project. Joining us now is Dan O'Dodd. Thank you for coming on to WTMJ. Uh, good to be here. Are you a billionaire or millionaire? I've seen conflicting reports. Oh, yeah, I'm, you know, a billionaire. Both. <laughs> Both. Well, because I asked this, you're in California, and I saw the ad here in Wisconsin, nationwide ads. Normally, if you're running for an office, you restrict it to the state that you're running in. But this seems to be a big enough topic where you want to make sure the awareness is out there. In the videos themselves, the testing of the self-driving software inside of some of these different cars was pretty striking because these are child-sized mannequins getting nailed in these Tesla vehicles. It was really shocking to me because it seems like this software is not ready yet. Absolutely. It, it is, it's amazing that this product has, has gone out. They, have, they have 100,000 people. It's been delivered to 100,000 Tesla owners have it in their car and have this software to drive them around. And it it will if it cannot see a child in a crosswalk. It it is amazing. Uh, We've tested it again and again. Um, They're just too small. It can see a full size adult. It it pretty much usually does see them. But a small child, a five year old, it just it just can't see them. It will it will just run them down. We've done it time and time and time again. Um, right, and it, it shows it, too, that uh, it, it'll stop after it hits something, but it probably, of course, doesn't know that it was a person. And you see the videos online right now. People are sharing them. It's from the dash cam, and you can see that. And the people that are testing these out were like, whoa, it didn't even stop. They were shocked that the technology that is being delivered in these vehicles are not doing what they should because we're talking about human life at this point. Right. This product should not be in, in the hands of 100,000 customers. Hey, 550 test drivers or, you know, making sure it works, that's fine. But there's no excuse for it to be out to 100,000 customers driving around. Those aren't, they're not trained safety drivers. They're not trained automotive experts like you can hire and put them in cars. And these are, these are ordinary people. You just sign up, you pay $12,000 and you get some software that will run over children if they're in a crosswalk. I mean, doing what they're supposed to do. Their mom told them, cross the street, always be in a crosswalk, so you're safe. It, it, yeah, does me, not, it just doesn't see them. It runs them right down. Yeah. Let me ask you about this software in general, because for the most part, Tesla and some of these other companies would say, okay, you still need to pay attention. We need your hands on the wheel. Even though it's uh, saying that it's driving, you still need to be able to take over at any given time. Uh, are you getting the indication that they're just basically putting the fine print in there so they don't get sued? Well, that, that's definitely true that they're doing it to avoid getting sued. But what's amazing is that they then say it should go on the road. If When you turn on this feature uh, on, the, on the car, the to turn, you, you know, you have to turn it on. It says right there, it says it might do the wrong thing at the worst time. What's the, mm. what's the wrong thing? Well, it's here going down a road really fast, and there's a car coming the other way, and the wrong thing is turn left in front of it for no reason at all. That's a wrong thing. And the worst time, when there's a car barreling towards you, it does that. We've got it on tape over and over and over again. For no reason at all, it goes across the yellow line. There's no obstructions. There's no difficulty. There's a car coming in the other direction been documented time and time and time again you cannot allow software like that on the road 
just in ordinary people's hands. They, they're told its name is full self-driving, and it will wow. crash your car in short order if you let it do that. Why do you wow. allow it in cars? Wait till they fix it. Take that software out. So my, my ask is simple. You cannot run your self-driving car on the roads until you prove it doesn't run over little children in crosswalks. You should probably prove some other things, too, but that's just a good starting point. It shouldn't be on the road. It's ridiculous. Yeah. The Don Project, so is is the goal for them to recall this software until it's safer, or are you just using this as an opportunity to run nationwide ads to warn anyone that may have a Tesla so that they don't voluntarily use it and hopefully you know, don't use it in a way that could hurt another person. Both. I mean, turn it off. If you have it, turn it off. But you paid $12,000 for that software. It is not even close to ready for per- for production shipment. You should get your money back. It, it, so it's both. I mean, yes, don't use it. But this needs to come off the road. They need to test it. They need to just do basic safety testing to make sure it works. You know, another thing it doesn't do is it doesn't know what a do not enter sign means. Hmm. It's amazing. I tested it. We went out there on huh. the road, and we just went up. It just right. It does not literally know what it means. It just says, "Okay," and it just goes the wrong way down one way street, street because wow. it doesn't know what it. It's this thing. This it's amazing how bad this is. It's it's amateur hour. It's beginning level software. It has years more of development before you should put it in consumers' hands. It should be tested by professional drivers. They should do what we did: come up with a test case, try it out then send it to the engineers and say, go fix this. And then you sh- they should keep doing that until until it works. And then they can put it out there. You know, uh, so you're part of the Don Project. Dan O'Dodd joining us here on WTMJ. Uh, why bring this up? Why make this your cause? What's the connection? The whole cause is bigger, if you read the whole Don Project. It's basically, in the last 10 years, we've taken basically everything that our lives depend on, our cars, of course, are one thing, the power grid, the hospitals, the water treatment plants, and we put them all, we put them computers in charge of all of them, and then we've connected them all up to the Internet. And all of these systems are vulnerable to someone just, just destroying the power grid, taking control of all the self-driving cars, shutting down all the hospitals. These are known, the government will even tell you, there was a report out earlier this year, they know it's all vulnerable. People can bring it down. It, it, this is just one part. Cars are just one part of it. All the bad well, software that's out there that's running things that our lives depend on. My mission in life is to identify it and get it fixed. Insist that the people who are developing it, they get it fixed. Like Ralph Nader. Wow. Right? I'm, I'm taking the, the, the attack. You know, <laughs> just pick the thing and then go after it. Daw, you know, teeth you know, will, will not let go until this problem is fixed. Move on well, the the Ralph Nader of technology. That, that's a great comparison. Do you mind holding on after the break? I'd love to talk to you more about these vulnerabilities and some of the bad software you've uh, overcome. Sure. sure. So uh, the Don Project, you can find them out online. Their new ads called False Promises with the electric vehicles, the self-driving, which we discussed. But these vulnerabilities and systems and technology is a topic that I cover an awful lot. So we're going to continue with Dan O'Dodd right after the break on WTMJ. He is someone that grabbed my attention immediately this morning. You may have already seen the TV ads discussing the self-driving features in Teslas. He's part of the Don Project, 
a software billionaire in California. Dan O'Dodd, thank you for holding on. And right before the break, we were talking about some of these system vulnerabilities. It does scare me to think that the vulnerabilities are there. Normally, big tech companies are quick to try to patch it. I think anyone that has a Windows computer understands by the time they restart their computer, they're asking to update the software because there's some vulnerability that needs patched. Uh, It makes me wonder just really how scared we should be as a country, because if my own computer is susceptible and there's millions of computers that the government is holding on to and managing right now, I'm guessing that not all of them are up to speed, and I'm guessing that leaves a lot of holes open for people that want to do bad things. Oh, yes. Well, and as, as I'd mentioned earlier, there was a report that came out earlier this year. It's basically assumed that China, Russia, maybe Iran uh, can can bring down our power grid. Um, without that, nothing works. I mean, there's no, there's no TV, no radio, no internet, no nothing. I mean, there's, there's, there's no power to run anything. Your electric car isn't going to work either because you can't charge it. Your gasoline car isn't going to work because the gas station depends on electricity to pump. Nothing will work. Um, you can't go anywhere. You can't get anything. And everybody's pretty much just accepted that that is the current state of, you know, the current current state of affairs. And so with all these other systems. I I saw this. um, It's interesting. I saw someone describe Amazon as a surveillance company. And I think a lot of people, when they talk about social media, they worry about their privacies, even though some of them were given up voluntarily, others were not. Is that not the biggest concern right now? Are, are, Are we looking at some of the social media giants and we argue about protections for them in government? Is that kind of like in the back burner for you compared to some of these larger issues when you're talking about power grids? Right. Oh, no. Those are those are minor issues, minor inconveniences. Um, and, and you can protect yourself if you, if you care, as you say, most people just click yes when it says, do you want, do you want us to take your information and share it with people? Most people say yes. Um, otherwise they don't get the service and they want it. So they, they give it up voluntarily. But even then, I don't think we're going to, I mean, Amazon isn't going to be shutting down our power grid. I don't think, um, these are critical systems, uh, self-driving cars, taking over self-driving cars. They all run the same software now. Given manufacturer, they all run the same software. They all have the same bugs. They they ha- they they downloaded millions of lines of code off the internet to build all the stuff that they have in the cars now. They're just riddled with bugs and vulnerabilities. People can take them over. What's what's changed is if you took all over all the cars made by one of the major manufacturers, hacked them all. Well, they're all running the same software because we have those automatic updates. So everybody's running up to date software. So if you find a bug in one, you have a bug in all of them. They're all on the Internet. So you could then contact all of them, infect all of them with your your new command, and your new command is simple. Get out of your garage or the parking lot or wherever you are, go to the next major road, accelerate to 100 miles an hour, and drive the wrong way down the road. Hmm. Within terrible. Five million vehicles did that at the same moment in time. Millions of casualties. No one would know what was going on. It would all be over in 10 minutes. But there would be millions dead. And that's well, and that's a that uh, can be done today. Yeah, and you bring these up these these scenarios these hypotheticals, which makes me wonder if you've already worked out a solution to it. So how could you even protect from moments like that? Well, you have to insist that people design this design and implement the software correctly. For instance, the way it's done in building airplanes. No 787s ever fallen out of the sky. They've driven. They've flown billions of miles. And, but they develop software in a totally different way, a 
just what I talked about testing the cars. They test everything hundreds of different ways, hundreds of different in different mechanisms, and then they write their software and they review their software. Tesla changes software on a day and ships it to, that that handle your brakes and and ships it the next day to, to customers. Uh, it's unheard mm. of. And it's amazing. You can't the braking software. When you change software, there's a good chance you introduce a bug every time you fix one. Ask any programmer. You have you can't just test it nominally when you make a change. They change braking software and ship it on one day's notice. They say, "Oh, we fixed the bug." Yeah, maybe you did, but you need to go retest it thoroughly. Every other car company does. I know lots of them. They they will test it for weeks on thousands of vehicles before they ship it to a customer. Tesla will test it for one afternoon at 70 degrees and sunny in in uh, Fremont, California, and then they say ship it. Wow. That's, that's uh, so not the way you develop software if you want it to work and be safe. The Don Project, and the website is donproject.com, making computers safe for humanity. We demand software that never fails and can't be hacked is a good thing for humanity. And now you just added an extra worry on to everything on top of that. So Dan O'Dodd, uh, people maybe you've seen their ad here in the Milwaukee area. I saw it. It started running this morning. Thanks for coming on and explaining the Don Project on WTMJ. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot. Giving me a chance to get people uh, to know what's going on. DonProject.com. You can find it online. It is really scary, and it's something that a lot of people don't think of. It's out of sight, out of mind, but it's a very important thing when it comes to the security, not only of you and your family, but of your community and your country. I'm Ryan Recker, filling in on WTMJ. Wow, that is scary to me in a lot of different ways. Uh, Technology continues to get more complex, and with it, the complexities find vulnerabilities. And what could that mean for cars? What could that mean for anything else? I really didn't know that about planes. I didn't realize the software they use is so much more different, purposely done so, so there's... Uh, not really hacking capabilities to it, and why isn't there more technology and software built into critical systems and the government built the same way? That's not a bad ask, honestly. So I mentioned the Amazon uh, story earlier with him, and he said basically Amazon is a surveillance company, and that's scary to me. Amazon recently bought a company, Roomba. How many of you have heard of the little robots that go around your floor and suck up the dirt and the dust and all those things? The Roombas were very popular. I don't know if you know, but some Roombas actually have little cameras on them to help them so they don't bump into things. But all different Roombas have this ability to store your room, as in the outline of your room, into it. In ten different rooms is what it stores. And there's a reason for that. They say, well, it creates a profile of your house in order to remember that room so next time it's in there it could vacuum it more efficiently. Well, Amazon has bought Roomba, and now antitrust researchers and data privacy experts are saying, this is bad, this is really bad. Not only have you let Amazon into your house with cameras and also recording listening devices with the Alexas. Now you have robots that could actually move around your house, controlled by Amazon, sharing the information it has about your house back to the company. It'll take the floor plan. It'll remember when things are moved. 
you may think to yourself, why would Amazon care about your floor plan? Well, why not? They are in the business of knowing everything about your life, and now they have this other data point they can use, and it's not going to be just to suck the dirt off of your floor. Somehow down the line, you know they're going to use this in a way to market to you, or better yet, sell it to a third party that may be interested in what your house looks like without actually being inside of there. It's a $1.7 billion deal. And Amazon just added a very big piece to its portfolio that a lot of privacy experts are concerned about. I'm Ryan Recker filling in for Jeff Wagner. Don't go anywhere. We have another hour coming up on WTMJ. The Wisconsin State Fair is here, bringing you the sights and sounds live from the fair. In for Jeff Wagner, here's your host, Ryan Recker. What a day at the Wisconsin State Fair. So happy to have you here. We have another hour, and I'm looking forward to spending that hour with you. And we'll keep that phone line open, too. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is 855-616-1620. I wanted to tell you a, a quick story about what happened to me this morning, and I've already mentioned a few different times in the morning I have a special routine. I walk to George Webb downtown, and I listen to what the waitresses are talking about. This morning was awesome. We, I sit down, and I'm sitting waiting for my meal, and I hear someone ask for something gluten-free. And the waitress laughed at the person and said, this is George Webb. I don't even know what that means. They're like, we, we don't have anything healthy here. We don't have salads. We don't even have fruit. What do you mean gluten-free? The whole restaurant was laughing and i thought it was fantastic so i wanted to give a shout out to those waitresses <laughs> what do you mean we don't even have fruit here I, I wanted to tell you about this one story and if you may be out voting today doing your thing more power to you i hope they gave you a sticker sometimes during primaries they don't give you stickers that's one of the greatest travesties, that you don't get to show off to other people that you took the time to go vote. And I'm hoping there's a good turnout. You heard a little bit earlier today, we had the governor of Wisconsin on. Uh, Mr. Evers was sitting right here across from where I am at the studios at the Wisconsin State Fair. Had a great conversation and got to uh, really learn a little bit more about him, him being on the ballot. But... What you're going to find is that there's going to be a lot of fights. And nationally speaking, I think the things that are important to us locally, we want to know who may be the Republican nominee that will go up against him. Some people, nationally speaking, are more concerned with what's going to happen with the Senate race. What about Ron Johnson? Is he going to lose his Senate seat? And is that going to change the balance in the Senate? Is it no longer going to be 50-50 if they flip a seat? That's a big deal, nationally speaking. And more people are watching that in a few months, and I think they're watching who's going to be the nominee to take on Governor Evers. I, I'm probably going to be watching the governor race more. I, I am. I, I think the governor's race is more interesting to me. I want to know, too, if there's that magic touch. Is there going to be the magic touch or the kiss of death when it comes to the endorsement of Donald Trump? In some places it works, in a lot of places it doesn't. And what you find is two different people, Cleefish and Michaels. One is, hey, we're going to campaign on the fact that I'm the Trump guy. The other one is, I'm going to campaign on the fact that I'm not the Trump person. And it goes back and forth. I don't know who's going to win that one. Statistically speaking, Cleefish has the advantage. So is that going to be the end of things? Or are you going to have to listen to the election coverage later tonight on WTMJ? You'll be able to find out for yourself. I think that's an important one. Uh, There's another story I wanted to bring up, and I think this gives us an opportunity to uh, open up the phone lines. 
AARP did an interview with Tyler Perry. Generally speaking, and for the most part, I, I say generally, but almost every time Tyler Perry says something, I respect him 100%. He's one of those guys that I don't even know where he stands politically, but socially speaking, he's a pragmatic guy, and I totally respect where he's coming from. He's someone that tries to defuse situations, and he's also someone that's not quick to jump on a cause, even when all the circumstances and the things surrounding them would mean that you're doing it emotionally, not realistically. And he was interviewed with AARP, and they asked him about talking to his kids regarding race. And as he was talking to his kids about race, he made it very clear. He said, my seven-year-old son, I'm not having the race talk with him. I'm not going to. In his interview, he explained his efforts to protect his son from the realities of the world. And when he looks at it, race is definitely a filter to the reality of the world. This is fantastic. I love this. I think that with Tyler Perry, we could learn a thing or two, mostly because seven-year-olds do not need to be introduced to the problems of the world. You don't have to put that weight on their shoulders. As a parent, you are obligated to protect your kids. And part of it is to make sure the messaging doesn't come in and corrupt them. And you want them to stay innocent as long as they can. And you don't have an obligation to lay out all the other problems of the world, to say, now this is your problem too. At the age of seven, you don't do that. Good for Tyler Perry. I wanted to applaud him for that. I don't know the right age to introduce these things. Maybe you don't. Maybe you address it when it comes into it naturally. As in, well, I heard so-and-so talk about it at school today. I guess we're having the talk. But either way, I, I just wanted to applaud him. Because so many different people and communities feel like it's their obligation to go out there and we got to tell everything that is the, about the world to the kids. We're going to take them to drag shows because they're going to learn about it eventually. Oh, we want them to read these books no matter how graphic they are. Oh, we just have to do it. No, you don't have to do it. And please, as a parent, do not do those things to your young children. Keep them away from it as long as they can. Uh, 855-616-1620 is the number. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. I'm Ryan Recker. Fill it in for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Here we are again at the Wisconsin County Fair. you Nice to have you here with us, and if you want to stop by and say hi and wave, that would be fantastic as well. WTMJ, broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair, and as we broadcast, we're also fed by Major Goldsby's Heartland. I can't wait to try something new today. If you're out here at the fair, they're located right next to the Cream Puff Pavilion, or you can get them downtown just close to the Deer District. Major Goldsby's, come see us at the fair and say hi to them, too. And it would not offend me if you grabbed a burger or something and then ate it right in front of me as you watched an entire segment at the fair. would be happy there, too. Um, I'm reading some of the text messages. Uh, good afternoon. Who is filling in for Jeff? Hey, that's me. Ryan Recker, W-R-E-C-K-E-R. If you want to find me on Twitter or Facebook, something like that. And I was discussing the Tyler Perry uh, article from AARP. That's how you know when you're getting up there, when you're reading AARP articles. Uh, there I wake up, I got back pain, all my joints creak when I get out of bed. I make that noise. You know that noise that you go, Ugh! And you don't stay up past 8.30, 9 o'clock? Yep, I'll see you guys later. I gotta get, I gotta head out. That's what I say a lot um, as I try to get out of situations. They look at their watch. Hey, it's only 7. I know. Ah, gotta go. 
But I think it's your obligation as a parent to shelter your kids from the evils of the world as long as you possibly humanly can. I think there are so many issues and problems with trying to force adult situations, and I don't mean this in a criminal way, but we're talking about adult ideas, anything that would normally be handled by a mature mind onto immature minds. And when we do that, we're going to do that kid a disservice. And you as a parent, you are obligated to protect that kid. And I think you're a better parent by sheltering your kid from a lot of these different issues. I really do. Uh, One text message. When I was a child, uh, the son of black parents, my mother would get up at about 2.30 in the morning and fix a huge basket of food for us to eat on our annual trip from... Glendale to Jackson, Mississippi, she did not tell me that the reason she fixed the food was because when we got past Illinois, most people, uh, most bring trip from the top bottom ever, the people were not allowed uh, to eat in the restaurants, especially in Mississippi. Wow. Isn't that something? I would love to hear from you. So that's uh, Taylor that texted that in. Taylor, tell your story. Seriously. Now that you're an adult, do you understand why she did that? I mean, I'm sure she later explained it to you. Sure. Do you understand why she did that? And are you glad she did that to you? Is it better that she did that for you? I think so. Here's the phone number, 855-616-1620. And there are so many problems with the world, you don't have to introduce them to kids that early. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. A couple of other things that I wanted to mention real quick. Um, uh, Okay, here we go. After you gave Michaels an endorsement yesterday, now you can't get this opponent's name correctly. <laughs> I said, what did I say? What did I mispronounce? Ah, whatever, Craig. Thanks. I think when you go out and vote today, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. If they don't give you a sticker, well, what are you even doing? One of your only jobs is to hand out stickers to those that are voting. And I look forward to the sticker. In a selfie world today, you better believe I look forward to a uh, sticker. I need to let the world know I was out there doing my duty. Tell me that doesn't. You ever been in a polling place where they actually have cookies and coffee? That only happened to me once in my life. It was a presidential election. One of the volunteers brought in cookies and coffee, and I thought, this is the greatest thing ever. I'm going to vote all the time. And then you show up to the next primary, and they don't even uh, look you in the eye. There's not even a sticker at the end. Something like that gives me that to me. Uh, one other text message. Terry, uh, uh, Tyler Perry is worth a billion. His child can be innocent, ignorant, a little longer than the rest of us. Oh, that's interesting. So money will do that when it comes to sheltering. No, I don't think you have to be rich to take care of your kids. I don't think you have to be rich to say that we're not going to introduce these adult topics into your life. No, no, you don't have to be rich. Not at all. In fact, quite the opposite. You don't. You can be of any any economic status. I'm Ryan Recker, filling in on WTMJ. All right. Welcome back. Uh, it looks like Taylor said he can't call right now. That's a shame. I'd love to hear your story, Taylor. That'd be nice. Another text message. Isn't handing out coffee and donuts at a voting location illegal? No, I think if it's actually handed out by the workers, it's fine. That was one of the big questions in Georgia, you remember, that they were 
taking members of a certain party or a campaign, and they were using that as a way to try to campaign to you, that's illegal. That's different. But if it was poll workers handing it out, that's fine. That's no big deal. Or if it was someone not affiliated with the campaign, they were just handing it out to hand it out, that's a whole different steal. I think the way that was warped in Georgia was totally out of line because they made it sound like, oh, you're not allowed to do all these things. No, you are allowed to. You're not. You're definitely allowed to. It's just you're not allowed to do it with the understanding that, hey, it gives me an opportunity to, uh, you know, campaign in front of you in a polling line. That seems a little inappropriate. Someone wanted to know if I'm on television in Pennsylvania. No, I am not in television. I don't think I can do television. It's a little hard for me to do TV. I'm more an unscripted type of guy. And as you can tell, I don't pronounce things the right way, so that would make things difficult for television. I saw this uh, other thing, and, and since we're talking about kids and the way they've been exploited, there's a new book out from an actress by the name of Jeanette McCurdy. She was on the television show iCarly, and then later Sam and Cats. It's an interesting book because essentially she celebrates the death of her mom. Celebrates it. The book's called I'm Glad My Mother's Dead. This plays into the exploitation of children because she uh, talks about some of her experiences on the set of Nickelodeon. And I'm going to go back to what I said about Tyler Perry. We need to do whatever we can to try to protect these kids. You need to find, as a parent, ways to make sure they are not introduced to things that adults would be introduced to. And if you're a teenager or even younger, a young teenager on the set of a show, much like the problems you have with the casting couches, you need to make sure, too, that... Them trying to get your teenage little girl drunk on the set never happens. She wrote a book to talk about how her mother not only knew this was going on, but allowed this sort of thing to happen, because that was sort of the atmosphere. And she talked about how some of these older men and adults on the set were take advantage of that, and just how sad and scary this is. When the casting couch thing and the Epstein and all the big news about how these Hollywood actresses would go to Hollywood and they would try to audition for a movie or a television show and they said, well, you know what you got to do for it. And these women thought, okay, this is how the game's played out here. They were taken advantage of. And then what would happen after that? Well, I played the game, so now I could become a Hollywood star. Now, did that happen for most of them? Probably not. And then later they go back and look and say, well, there was, it seemed like there was a certain amount of people that would do this. And you, you saw the casting couch the, the trending in the Me Too movement going becoming more popularized nationwide. And they said, you shouldn't be treating other human beings this way, using your power, exploiting them sexually, and then throwing them away. And the sad thing about this is it wasn't just actresses that were 18, 20, 25, 30 years old. We're talking about young teenagers at Nickelodeon, as this was brought out in the book, I'm Glad My Mother's Dead. The creator, which she doesn't say by name, but the creator of iCarly and some of these other shows have been uh, highly scrutinized in recent years, mostly because a lot of other people have come forward and said, no, he did this to me. No, he brought this up to me, too. He said this was not a uh, well, she says this was not good for a workplace, number one. But the fact that her parents, her mom enabled this and didn't stop this from happening is something she resented to the fact that when her mom passes away last year, the title of her book is, I'm glad my mom's dead. Man, total problems with today's Hollywood. I think now that they've changed the laws so much that 
now the union, SAG-AFTRA, actually has people inside of the room as moderators, as protectors, to make sure none of this funny business is going down. But it seems like for all these different years, they just assume that, morally speaking, Hollywood executives and some of these other guys that were on the set had the right intentions because that's what society would dictate. But as it turns out, there's a lot of bad people in the world. She tells the Post that there's boundaries crossed, uh, unsolicited massages, drinking of alcohol well when she was a minor, and then imagine what goes on behind the scenes when you have creepy adult men feeding alcohol to young teenage girls. After the allegations were made, she talked about how there would be cave-like rooms and things uh, to try to appease those that were abusers, as opposed to firing them or getting them off the set after the Me Too movement and all these other things started to come forward. So she still had to work with these abusers, (laughs) work with them. She mentioned after the end of her show, they offered her $300,000 to sign a non-disclosure agreement. And she looks back at that and says, yeah, that's a lot of money, but today I'm glad I didn't sign it because I can talk about it and expose some of these abuses that are on even children's programs. Scary to think about. The hush money. And when I think about Nickelodeon, I think about the cartoons of my childhood. I think about getting slimed. On Double Dare, going to the Hollywood studios in Orlando, Florida. You know, it's so wholesome because everything was built that way. It was just like uh, this kid's kingdom where anything could go at any time. And it was like, it felt like it was something run by children. But in the background, you don't think about those things. Behind this could be executives that take advantage and prey on children. Such a sad thing. So this book is out now. Apparently, she's pretty active talking about this. I'm glad she's talking about it, and I'm glad things have been changed in that world. We just don't want that to continue on forever. But it goes back to the Tyler Perry thing. Don't introduce adult things to kids if you don't have to. And and maybe part of that is protecting them from predators, knowing that predators are out there that would feed them things like this. And I know the age of seven is different than 13 or 15 or 17 or whatever it is. Once you get a little bit older, there's more things that you can handle. But I, I think about my seven-year-old, same age as Tyler Perry's. He's going into second grade. Why in the world would I want to introduce all these different evils that are in the world today to bother him with those things when I can allow him to have a nice, pleasant, good childhood for as long as he possibly can? And that's the goal. Not to be naive with the things that are around us, but to protect the kids so that maybe they're not as beat up as we are by the time they're the same age, you know? You want to let them have a better life than the one you had. That's the whole point of being an adult and a, a parent. Let me just point out that if you feed your kid sawdust, I think child services should show up and take that kid away immediately, that poor child. But believe it or not, scientists have discovered that you can take sawdust, the wood residue, and use it in into a way and manipulate it into meat. And I think you have to put that word meat into quotations. Boy, does that sound terrible. Just keep in mind, people have tried forever to get around food, as in the Impossible Burger, the Beyond Meat, all these different things. Don't call it meat. Just call it for what it is. It's basically, what, pressed and seasoned vegetables? And in some cases, sawdust. Man, does that sound not so appealing. All of that is so gross. We're at the Wisconsin State Fair. I'm surrounded by 
wonderful, delicious food. Everywhere you look, there's someone eating something and drinking something delicious. And here I am looking at stories about how McDonald's dumps their Beyond Meat because people don't like it. And now they're finding ways to use sawdust to create patty-like food substances. Gross. WTMJ is broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. And thanks to the Coakley Brothers and Brothers Interiors, the State Fair studio, brand new. And hello to everyone that is watching us at the State Fair right now. Hello, hello, hello. Very nice out here. So you can come by and say hi this week at the Wisconsin State Fair. Big thanks again to them for putting that together. And I want to say hello to one of my friends, Mike Parsons, in the business. He's up in Charlevoix, Michigan, listening to us, WTMJ. That's way up there, almost to the UP. Did I hear Steve mention that he thinks the UP should be part of Wisconsin? Like they should just annex it to Wisconsin and say no longer is this a Michigan part of the state. Now, keep in mind, I was born in Michigan. UP is like, you don't touch the UP, man. You don't mess around with that. Uh, Steve. All right, here's the phone number if you want to call in to the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 855-616-1620 is the number. 855-616-1620. We're surrounded by so many great foods. I just don't understand why people decide to call things that are not meat, meat. This was a big issue for a little bit because it was almost a First Amendment issue because they said, we can call it whatever we want. We have freedom of speech. But consumers were starting to get upset because they'd go into the store and they'd see the word meat on a product when it really wasn't meat. It was vegetables or tofu or whatever to make it look like meat. And that scared a lot of people, and myself included. Why would I want to eat that when I can have beef, something good? Let's just skip that altogether. Um, I- I'm seeing a couple of other stories that are cropping up. And someone did post a photo of their I Voted sticker. I'm glad that you did that. Thank you very much. I um, did not vote in today's election. I was not able to get out because I'm not a resident of Wisconsin, so I guess I wouldn't have been able to vote in this primary anyway. But I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the results are later tonight. And As I'm at my hotel room, I think as they roll in, I'll be most likely listening here to WTMJ. I think more than the outcome in the election, I just want to see the Brewers get some wins here. I was also looking at some of the local media out of St. Louis, and they're saying, yeah, Brewers, they're done. They're toast. This is what St. Louis media is saying. So as soon as I saw that, I thought, no, 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 no. Make it more interesting. Brewers, please, get some wins here. be nice to see that turn right back around. A few other things that I want to get to is a study that I saw on Twitter. You may have seen this study, too, and people have been quoting it, and it's not something I think you should take to heart. And the story is, rainwater everywhere on Earth is unsafe to drink due to, quote, forever chemicals, study finds. This is a study from Stockholm, University of Stockholm, and researchers essentially took water samples from rain, and they studied how much chemicals were in it, essentially chemicals that's runoff from plastics. So what they're saying is, for the most part, there's so much plastics in the ocean, so much plastics in our landfills, that water at some point is going to come across it and become contaminated. And they took the water from the sky, and when they researched it, they found that the levels were unsafe for the amount of plastic pollutants that were inside of it. First thought I had, no, I don't think so. This can't be true. No way this could be true. So I went a little bit further, because the one website that posted this was Euro News, and I thought, well, maybe there's a certain angle to it. Maybe the people that put this out had a certain bias to it. Can I really trust them? So I wanted to go to the source. 
And what they say is lifetime drinking water in levels that are recommended by certain agencies. So not necessarily unsafe levels, but maybe recommended levels. Okay. So then they take the rainwater from Ohio and Indiana, at least from the United States. They took water from China. And if I, Mexico, all these different places across the globe. And I thought, if I'm going to drink water from anywhere, it's going to be at least rainwater from the United States. I don't know if I necessarily trust Chinese rainwater. Uh, you know, things go in other countries. The standards are definitely lower. So are you basing it off of that? No, they were not. They were basing it off of what some regulatory agencies in Europe would normally do. And what they found was a recommendation, a recommendation that said, oh, we wouldn't recommend you but it's not dangerous, but we wouldn't recommend it. And I think part of the greater study is that we need to spend more time filtering and working with our water system to get it up to speed so we can try to filter out some of the different pollutants there that they're not currently screening for. And that's going to be a lot of infrastructure money. Okay, this is interesting now. So the idea of the study is not recommended, but we need to up our game is one I can get behind. How many problems did we run into with Flint, Michigan, for example? So in Flint, Michigan, they said, we're going to save some money. We're just going to suck water out of the Detroit River, and we're going to you know, filter that and give that as part of our drinking water to the people that are here. How did that turn out? It ended up hurting a lot of people, and it made it undrinkable because their current filtration system couldn't keep up with all the pollutants that were coming out of the Detroit River. As opposed to to getting water from the Detroit water system that's filtered more heavily and safe to drink, they said, no, we're going to do it cheaper. We're just going to grab the river water, and a lot of people got poisoned because of that. And, And Flint is still trying to fix this. It's terrible. It's a travesty. So you look at it and say, Okay, if water gets bad enough, it's going to get to the point where we can't keep up filtration. That's how you sell me on it. It's not that the rainwater is going to be unhealthy for you to drink. And by the way, I'm not drinking rainwater anyway. It's not like when it starts pouring outside, I run outside with a giant big gulp cup trying to collect as much as I can because I'll say, "Mm, this is good drinking. No, it's not like that. What exactly is telling me that our systems are not up to snuff to keep up with the amount of pollutants that are getting into our water? And think about all the stuff that's dumped into the oceans. That's one story. The thing that I'm more concerned about is the runoff from sewage that gets into our rainwater. Sewage is a major issue. During the Obama administration, they tried to find ways to make it so when there's heavy rains, sewage water is not getting dumped into our lakes and rivers. So they said, we need to spend a ton of money in large areas to collect this rainwater. So we're not having as much sewage water mixed in with it after it backs up, you know, with the sewage systems and such. And that was a noble cause because, yeah, that does end up helping us. And you think about all the different waterways and the beautiful lakes and rivers that are in the state of Wisconsin. That should be a concern that we collect some of this as opposed to getting the sewage levels up. And they understood that was a problem to begin with. We've been trying to deal with this for a while. And it's not just like you can bore a giant tunnel overnight and collect everything. It takes a long time to put that infrastructure into place. I get it. We can look at Flint and use that as an example of why we need to get things up to par. I get it. So when you see this article online, long story short, pollutants in our water make it unsafe to drink rainwater. Number one, don't drink rainwater because that's just weird. You're going to stand outside with your mouth open. Love free water. Now, the, the water that's filtered through your uh, faucet, even through your garden hose, is fine. 
I, that's that's safe drinking water. I have no problems with that. I drank a lot of garden hose water growing up. Here I am alive to tell the story. What I'm more concerned with than the rainwater and the way that they try to sensationalize this one story is that our infrastructure is not up to snuff, that even if pollutants continue to leak in and all these other problems that we're having, that we're going to end up like Flint, Michigan, and we don't want that. That should be the warning sign. Here we are. There's so many other things in the water. One person texted in, sewage in Milwaukee is old news. Focus on mercury in the water. See, that's a whole different thing. Now you're introducing more other things. More things to be worried about. Yes, there are many issues to be concerned with in this area, but at least studies like this, when you see it online, there is some truth to it, which is good. In some ways, it's better because then the ultimate uh, way that you're going to come out of this is hopefully better drinking water, and we can get some of these other things out of it. I'm Ryan Recker. You're listening to WTMJ. Happy to be with you here at the Wisconsin State Fair, broadcasting live from the Coakley Brothers and Brothers Interiors studio that they renovated out here. It's awesome looking. Looks great. Smells great. But it probably smells better outside of this studio, considering that's where all the fair food is. We hope that you can join us in the fair and come by and say hi. It'd be nice to give you a quick little wave and a thumbs up. I've only got one thumbs down for the entire show today, so I count that as a success. Danny, welcome to WTMJ. Hello. Hey, how are you doing? Good. Uh, so, yeah, I, listening to you earlier, you were talking about the... Uh, the weird stuff going into the McDonald's food, you know, with the uh, sawdust and so on. Um, <laughs> you know, that that mislabeling of food has been going on forever. I remember a while back, uh, they were selling sea scallops in stores when actually they were stingray. Okay. And, you know, that, I... that, sort of, that sort of thing happens a lot. Not to mention, you know, you go to your store and, okay, a lot of fruit and vegetables now are being irradiated, you know, to kill bacteria and, you know, whatever. And unless you're an informed consumer, you have no idea what's going on with your food. I mean, you've got the growth hormones, everything else. I mean, just look at chickens. My gosh, they're starting to look like penthouse models where they've got huge <laughs> size and huge breasts. Never thought of it that way. Well, you're right. And maybe that's part of the problem why we're all so unhealthy. There's a lot of these different contributing factors to it where we really don't know what we're eating. We just go for what's well, convenient that. or what else. Yeah. There's that, but there's also there's blissful ignorance. I mean, like like me, for example. Okay, I'm 300 pounds of heavenly joy. And why? Because, you know, I look at the McRib as a gift from the fast food gods. So, <laughs> and I, okay, when you're eating too. a McDonald's, uh-huh. do you really care what's in it? I mean, come on. You know, no, we don't I mean, ask. Look at the I don't ask questions. You know what? You know what oh, part yeah. of the chicken does the McNugget come from? You know, it's all right. Exactly. Thank you very much for the call, Danny. That's that's very funny. Now he mentioned sawdust and McDonald's. Now those were two separate stories. I should probably point out, but it was the story of McDonald's was they were trying the Beyond Meat and no one wanted it. They weren't buying it. The sawdust story are a bunch of scientists that said, "Hey, we can take this sawdust and make it into food." Maybe this will be how we say sustainable in the future. I'll pass. Craig, welcome to WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Ryan. Uh, hey, I, I love your show. 
you are an absolute blessing uh, to the Milwaukee market. I know I'll give you a little hard time on the uh, text, but I just want to say <laughs> 71% of the earth is covered with water. 96% of that is salt water, which is about 326 quintillion gallons. Rather than spend all this money on clean energy, couldn't we split half of it to try to figure out how to turn some of that seawater into fresh water and then have it run back off? And, you know, that would help. Uh, you think about where are the driest parts of the United States, Texas, California. They both have plenty of access to ocean water. You think around the world, all the deserts are surrounded by oceans. We could, you know what, if we could turn that salt water into fresh water, we could send them all the carp out of the fresh water here and feed the world. You know, Jesus loved giving fish to, uh, you know, the masses. My gosh, I'd, I'd be glad to give every carp out of Wisconsin to the rest of the world. Your thoughts oh. on that? I'll hang up, and I look forward to the next time you're back in town, sir. Thank you, Craig. Good to hear from you. I thought the big thing up here was musky. I thought that was the Wisconsin thing. The, the muskies were a big fish to brag about. Uh, that's an interesting point. It's probably not cost-effective, but when you're talking about all these billions of dollars and the environment, then I guess you can make that cause and claim the priorities. Why don't we put more into our water? And it's only a problem when there's a crisis. It's interesting. Thank you for the call. I'm Ryan Recker filling in for Jeff on WTMJ.